Hello and welcome to episode two of series five of the Engaging Internal Comms podcast. This is the show for employee engagers and internal communicators who like to keep up to date with all that is new in our profession. My name's Craig Smith from The Big Picture People. I'll keep this introduction fairly short on this episode just to let you know what we've got coming up in the next couple of episodes. So on the 30th of January, I have an interview with Christine Cook from Lloyd's Register Foundation. Christine's going to be telling us all about the importance of communicating social purpose, both in our day-to-day communications and also linking that to our strategic social purpose and uh, vision and mission etc across our organization so christine's been doing some fantastic work on that within lloyd's register foundation and she's going to be explaining all about that work to us and then on the following episode on the 13th of february i have an interview with jj brun now jj is a retired spy who spent many years in the intelligence sector of the military for the canadian uh, military and he's going to be telling us all about how he's applied the lessons he learned from those years in counterintelligence and espionage into the world of business and into communications more specifically a fascinating interview into a world that many of us will know very very little about so that's uh, coming up on the 13th of february so i'll keep as i say i'll keep this introduction short and i'll let you get in straight into this episode's interview <laughs> I love to hear about books that have been written by people who say, I wish this book had been around when I first started, and that's why I've written it. Uh, And that's what we've got in today's interview. Our guest has just written a book all about how you build an internal communications team or a department when you are on your own, when you only have yourself uh, to be able to, to, as the only resource available to you. We're going to learn all about the importance of resourcefulness and being able to build credibility and trust at a, a rapid rate with Within an organisation, so that you can really, really punch above your weight. Um, the book is the book is called "Me, Myself, and I See: A Guide to Building Internal Communications as a Team of One." And our guest really has a lot of experience of of how to do that and how to build from scratch. Um, and they're going to be sharing with us some really great foundational tips on how you get started and how you build up that credibility within the organisation. How you look to develop yourself as an internal com- communication professional but then also how you look look ahead in terms of your continuing professional development um lovely guest fantastic uh, personal story but also a really kind of hu- hum- a really a lot of humility and a lot of um personal wisdom and experience that's gone into into this this and i think you'll find this a really compelling interview i really enjoyed it and i really enjoyed speaking to the guest so i hope you enjoy it too And actually, finally, just before we go into the interview, if you'd like a copy of Emily's book, we have an affiliate link where you can purchase it. Now, that's on the show notes for this episode. So if you go to this episode on engagingic.com, you will find it on there. There is a QR code that you can scan. But if you want to find it manually, you need to go to bit.ly. So that's bit.ly backslash Emily Hecker. And that's Emily, E-M-I-E. L Y H E C K E R. So that's bit.ly backslash Emily Hecker. And if you buy the book through the affiliate link, that helps us with the expenses for the show. It helps us to keep the show ad free. Emily still gets the full 
uh, cost of her book and uh, the affiliate payment comes from Amazon, which is where that link will take you to. So if you want to buy a copy of the book, we'd really appreciate it if you can buy it through that affiliate link. Uh, as I said, it helps us with the running costs for the show. My guest in this episode is Emily Hecker. Emily is a writer, entrepreneur, and certified communication management professional with over 10 years of experience transforming communication strategies within various industries. Emily helps organizations revolutionize their approach to internal communication, tailoring their communication solutions to drive results. Emily is also the author of Me, Myself, and I See, a guide to building internal communications as a team of one, a comprehensive guide that empowers solo internal communicators and internal communications professionals with practical strategies to establish a strong foundation and achieve success. So good day to you, Emily. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you, Craig. It's a pleasure to be here. It's an absolute pleasure. And, and I do think that me, myself and I see has to be my favorite book title. I think you've, 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 I, I don't know how long it took you to arrive at that, or whether it was a blinding flash of inspiration, but I think it's a fantastic name. Those of you who can remember, was it Della Soul, the, the uh, me, myself and I, um, all those years ago? It was, yes. I took a little spin on it unintentionally, actually. It was the classic inspiration strikes when you're in the bed, the bath, or the bus. And in my case, I was brushing my teeth one evening, trying to figure out a title. I'd noodled around with a few different alternatives, and then this just struck me. Well, And then I you know, rinsed and wrote it down quickly so I wouldn't forget yes. it. Absolutely. That's the problem with those those sorts of places where you have those blinding flashes of inspiration. I've got so many ideas that would have changed the world had I just had a piece of pen and paper available to me at the time that I had them, because once they've gone, they've gone. That's it. They're lost forever. So yeah. Anyway, so Emily, I know we've already asked, we've already chatted about this before we started recording, but just for our listeners, whereabouts are you in the world, please? Yeah. So I am based in the United States, specifically in the Midwest. So right in the center part of the country. Yeah, fantastic. And um, tell us a little bit more. I've given a little bit of a back background to your history, what you've been doing. But tell us, you know, in your own words, what, what, what? Tell us how you've got to arrived at what you're doing now, and where this passion for internal comms came from. Well, like many people in internal communication, I sort of stumbled on the field unintentionally. I mm. had started out as a journalism major in university and had fallen in love with words as a young child and wanted to do something with my career that would let me continue my love of storytelling and journalism offered me the opportunity to do that. And then as I got out into the workforce, I had the opportunity to move into corporate communications. And mm. that's where I had the chance to really understand the power of inspiring, engaging, and informing people within an organization. So I started getting deeper into the internal communication field and just just fell in love with it because it is such an important connector within organizations. It helps people feel a part of something bigger, to feel recognized, and just to understand how their piece of the puzzle fits into the bigger picture. So I, like I said, I kind of stumbled into it, but I have just loved every minute of the time that I've been within internal communication for the better part of almost almost 10 years at this point. Mm, mm, fantastic yeah i think that's a a similar career path i think i know a lot of uh professional organizations are looking now to make it a career of choice but i think if many many internal communicators are honest that wasn't probably what uh you know when they were when they were back at high school what they were asked if they were what they want to be when they grow up there was uh it was it was probably not on their radar at that point so yeah i think a lot of people have uh trodden a similar path but equally found a, a, a love of this uh this thing we called ic 
Yeah, I mean, you draw so much from your journalism background, at least I do every single day. So it's just an expanding, an expansion of that skill set beyond what we would have discovered. So it's quite unfortunate that as you know, young teenagers, we don't know that this is a career path, because it can be an incredibly rewarding and purposeful path. Most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So anyway, we talked a little bit about the book and we mentioned the, the fantastic name there. And uh, I think the book was launched in, in, in September. Last, uh, well, it'll be last year when this, this event eventually goes out, but uh, 19th of September. And I know when we were chatting, you were saying it's still where we're, well, we're recording now. You're still uh, still in the sort of early stages of, of, of launching it. So do you, want, do you want to tell us a little bit about the, the book? Because I think, as I said, it, it, me, myself and I see, but the subtext is also important which is a guide to building internal communication as a team of one and i think that's probably resonates with a lot of people and probably um, i'm guessing that's born out of your own experience oh absolutely so i like many peers in the internal comm space i have been a team of one on multiple occasions in my career now and i'm still currently a team of one which for me is always such an interesting challenge and it wasn't a challenge that i expected to take on initially when I had just turned 26, I ended up taking on the role of leading internal comms as a team of one. And as I said, this wasn't the role that I expected to take on. The job description that I was looking at had a lot of communication responsibilities in it, and a few that was completely related to internal comms, but quite a few that didn't. So mm. it was very much this blend of responsibilities. And like many companies that have fledgling communication teams, they didn't really have a clear idea of where the team needed to go next. So as I dug in, I realized that internal communication was very much a mess at the organization. There mm. was a weekly newsletter in play. There was an intranet, a shared email inbox, the usual suspects. And that was essentially it. So mm. they were gauging success as, well, we sent an email and therefore we successfully communicated. Mm. And mm. like I said, as I hadn't been the sole person responsible for internal comms before, I, but I still knew that there was a better way to do things. So I mm, just mm. jumped in. And within three years, I ended up taking the company's perception of internal comms from this very nondescript copy-paste send factory to a trusted strategic partner. And mm. for me, that was such an incredibly transformative period of professional growth. Mm, I put all mm. of my communication skills to the test. I got really scrappy. And I self-taught a lot of what I needed to know. And what I would have loved at that point in my career was this guidebook for building internal yeah. communication as a team of one. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure many of your listeners have had moments where you're at conferences and you're describing your <laughs> internal comms teams and you're saying, well, it's just non-existent. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we've seen research from Gallagher that has dug into just how prevalent small to non-existent internal comms teams at organizations of really any size. You could have 10,000 employees or 10 employees and still have you know, one or, or no internal communication teams. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. So I really thought to myself, you know, if so many of us are experiencing this, let's talk about it more. And that's where the idea for this book really came from. It's a roundup of all the lessons and the tips that I would have loved to have had much earlier in my internal comms career. Yeah. And, and I also just want to emphasize that this book isn't for purely solo internal communication professionals. It can be for anyone who is doing internal communication off the side of their desks, for the leaders who are overseeing the function or really for anyone who wants to elevate internal communication to be good and then great in their organizations. Yeah. And that's, that's great. I was answering, I actually answered a question I was going to, I was going to, I was going to put to you actually, which was, was, is it, is it, is it just that you have to be kind of that sort of lone uh, agent as it were within the organization, but you've answered that, that it, it's equally applicable to, to people who maybe 
do do have a slightly bigger team or are responsible for this with a with a dotted line or or a hard line into into um into their own responsibilities um I, I guess when I think about being a team of one, whenever I've been a team of one in in an organisation, and I, I, I've kind of been there, not necessarily with internal comms. I know I, I didn't actually have an internal comms role in my corporate career, although it was it was sort of again it was kind of implied in some of the stuff that I was doing. I've always, for me, it's always been about being resourceful and kind of bootstrapping and and kind of um, really building a, a an army of of supporters who can you know help me give me the kind of resources that i need that i the, you know i've got the physical resources i haven't got the people but I, but but they're they're kind of giving me lending me their their own people or their own support is it is it is it like that or is it i know we're going to go into a little more a lot more detail in in terms of what's in the book but is that is that a kind of a, a fundamental principle within there or is it is it a little bit more nuanced than that well, that's definitely a fundamental principle. I, <laughs> I joke with my colleagues on the marketing side of the house that I often have to beg, borrow, and steal resources from them, like getting videography experience or graphic design experience, which I can fake it. I know enough to be dangerous, but I'm certainly not an expert. So okay. it is, as you were saying, just about getting getting scrappy and really doing everything you can to leverage all of the skills and expertise you have to be mm. as efficient and as effective as possible, but knowing that you are going to have some limitations. And then it's about making the case for, if I want to get these resources, I have to prove with data and just my putting putting the boots on the ground, just demonstration of who I am and what I can do to really leverage that to then ask for resources or a bigger budget or whatever that next step might look like yeah 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 definitely definitely okay so we're gonna we're gonna have a look at the book in we're gonna just go through it a little walk through the, the some of the highlights in the book and i know um when we spoke previously when we had our conversation a few weeks ago you you talked me through the six sections i know it's always difficult when we're giving lists on a podcast when people are maybe out running or at the gym or driving or whatever so we'll kind of try and, and highlight these verbally as much as we can so um i'm going to call them out and then we'll go through them in turn if that if that's okay with you emily so the first one's foundation second one one show on the road three lights on four mindset five measurement and six looking ahead a lot of strong kind of uh, i'm getting a driving metaphor here but i may be wrong so yeah do you want to talk us a little bit through these and maybe starting with foundation and and before we do that if you want to kind of just maybe outline the the structure why the structure is what it is uh, uh, or we can we can do that at the end whatever easier for you easiest for you emily Sure. So to tee this up, I when as I was approaching the structure of the book, I thought about, okay, so if I'm coming in day one at an organization and day one can be the day, first day you start the job or it can be you know day 100 of six on the job, but it's just the day, day one for when you consciously decide that we're going to make a difference today and we're going to do mm-hmm. something differently. Uh, so I approached it as, okay, if I was coming in from day one to an internal communication role as a person of one or someone who is looking over, overseeing this, what would that timeline look like? So I started with foundation, which obviously you have to have a firm foundation for the business function. And then part two is taking the show on the road. So once you've established that foundation, it's showing and telling everyone, here's what my plans are. Here's what we're going to do together. And then while you're doing all of that, as we mentioned with a team of one, you're looking at tactics and strategy to simultaneously. So you have to keep the lights on while also making a difference and thinking forward. And then four mindset. So this is this is a section that could have gone anywhere in the book, but I kind of tucked it after keeping the lights on because it's mindset is so important to any role and particularly as a team of one where it can feel like you have moments where it's a little daunting and you feel like the, there's a lot of responsibility on your shoulders, but just how do you make the most of that? 
protect your own self from burnout and just getting overly exhausted and just making sure that you're thriving and you're not just surviving in this environment. Because Mm -hmm. being a team of one can be incredibly rewarding and exciting, but there will be moments where you have to just navigate the difficult and overcome that. So I wanted Mm -hmm. to address that because it's something that I've certainly dealt with in my career. And I understand that everyone who might find themselves in similar situations might also experience that too. So we wanted to walk through that together. And then measurement too, you know, measurement within any profession is ongoing, but I tucked it in section five because I wanted to just remind people that we need to be measuring consistently. We need to be looking at our effectiveness. We need to be looking at what we're feeling as our own sense of self-worth. And then of course, you know, six looking ahead, the sixth section is an organic way to end where we're looking towards the future and we're thinking, what is the next step for us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I thought that makes sense. So, so let's just maybe just just tease out a few, a few kind of key points, and you've you've given us a good, good synopsis there. So let's start with one then. So foundation again. You you've already mentioned a little bit about what this is about, but just just give, give us a little bit more flavor for for what foundation's all about, please, Emily. Sure. So I won't give everything away in case any of your listeners want to check out a copy of my book. I'd highly encourage yeah. them to do so. It's yeah, a great beach yeah. read. It's nice, short. You can finish it in a couple hours. So a nice, great. nice couple of bus rides on the commute. If, if you feel so inclined. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So foundation is, of course, just setting up yourself for success. And as I said earlier, your day one in this process can be any day that you decide this is day one for me. This is where we're going to really strive to make a difference. Yeah. And I always recommend the best place to just start with an internal communication audit. So I'm sure many of your listeners have either done this themselves, but if anyone isn't familiar with an audit, this is where you're evaluating the effectiveness of internal comms by reviewing how the function engages with and communicates with employees today. So you're looking at both qualitative and quantitative measurements, asking key stakeholders what's working well and what isn't with the current approach today. Yeah. And then you'll combine all of that to form a clear picture of where where you are today, and that will help you understand where you want to go next. Okay. So that's kind of like really sort of taking stock and and kind of setting yourself up ready for that 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 next stage. Okay. So that's good. As you say, we don't want to we want to keep some we want to keep some uh, some some th- some secrets. So so let's go on to the next stage then. Show on the road. I think mean, you talked a, talked a little bit about this again, but just if you can just give us maybe a little bit more flavor for what that's all about. Yeah. So once you've taken everything from the foundational part, which I go into, of course, the audit deeper, and then I talk about establishing your vision and your value for the function as well. So then once you've established all of that, that's where you come in as not only internal comms spokesperson, but the internal comms salesperson. And I know that can feel a little little funny to some people that, wait, I'm in this role, you've hired me to do this job, and now I have to be a salesperson and yeah, yeah. sort of justify my own ex- existence as it were to a certain extent. Yeah. So this is really where I found in my career to just be so important in building your awareness, your understanding and buy-in for the function, mm. because you have to, as you were just describing, you have to sometimes explain your own existence because people who aren't mm. familiar with what effective internal communication looks like can easily discredit you and say, well, you're not value add, you're just fluff. Mm. And when you're taking the show on the road, you can talk through who is on the team? So what is my area of expertise? What is my background in? You can talk through what people can expect from you so that you can expect us to be collaborative partners, executive counselors, storytellers, collaborative partner, all of this. Mm. And then you can also walk through the high level channel overview, which 
I've seen many organizations that have a lot of great channels in play, but there's kind of a misperception or misunderstanding about how those channels play together. So sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just clearing up that confusion and saying, these are the channels, here's how they're used, here's what the future could look like for them. Mm -hmm. And I'll also walk people through how to just work with me. I'll establish what I call a service model, and this I do based on audience. So if it's something that's for the entire organization, I'll say, okay, well, this is an opportunity for me to own that as the internal communication lead. And then we will do that nuts to bolts, uh, walk through together. Perhaps if it's a smaller audience, maybe it's just a team or a specific department, maybe. That's where we'll come in as more an advisory role. And if you have an even smaller audience, maybe it's just five or so people, we would empower people to take care of their communications themselves with some template facilitation. So just walking people through all of that and then what they can do to help further internal comms work is incredibly helpful too. Just be proactive in partnering with us, share stories with us. And then I'll close the roadshow by just sharing, how do you stay in touch with me? If I have a request intake form, I'll walk people through how to use that. If it's a simple matter of just emailing me, we'll walk through that as well. Yeah, yeah. I really like that. And I mean, one of the things you said right back at the beginning, I think is really important, which is, and I don't think it's a bad thing. I think you, you, and I always found this when I, when I did roles like this, as I say, I didn't work directly in IC, but I worked in, in roles where, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't earning any money for the business. I wasn't selling anything. I was, I was a, I was a cost to the business. So I always had that mindset, which is, you know, I do, I do need to question sometimes my own, and not in a kind of paranoid way, but, 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 you know, in terms of what, what value am I adding? Because I'm, I'm a, I am an on-cost of the business, but so I need to be really understanding what, what it is I want to do, but also what it is my clients need. So I can kind of tune into their, their, their needs as well and, and be relevant to them and not just a, you know, kind of a, somebody they have to kind of be polite to you and I show up and then, you know, kind of breathe a sigh of relief when I've gone again. So it, it, it is, it is a really a subtle skill, I think, but, but one that, that actually is useful not to just be, you know, kind of believe your own hype as it were to a certain extent. I think that's really important. Oh, absolutely. And it, what's interesting is how much research there is that shows a tangible bottom line, connection to internal comms, you know, it increases employee productivity, performance, job satisfaction, which leads to retention, overall cultural boosts. So there is that bottom line connection. But if your internal comms team isn't making that for you, it's just as you were describing where you're basically thinking, well, you don't have any bottom line connection, you're not building revenue, you're not creating new client opportunities. So we could easily cut you in the course of layoff season. And if we are making our case correctly, then you kind of dispel those myths. Yeah, yeah. And I know we're going to talk about measurement later on, but I guess that, that, you know, a lot of these things kind of have have links to each other then. Um, Let's go on to look at at, um, number three then, which I think I I summarized on our notes as lights on, but I think this is, you said it was keeping the lights on. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about that, Emily? Correct. Yeah, it is keeping the lights on. So this is where we dive into those moments where we are playing both strategist and tactician because we are Mm. keeping doing those keep the lights on activities making sure that routine operations are happening but we're also thinking about how can we advance the business function so it's just Mm. that balance between each day where we're deep into strategy or we're deep into tactics or that balance on many of those days in between so what i like to remind people is and i like to remind myself as well is that we're melting a glacier with a hairdryer Mm-hmm. Every effort that we take leads up to the complete thaw, and every effort mm-hmm. makes a difference. 
So there's a lot that I can unpack here, but really I dive into just how do we create that balance between strategies and tactics? And a lot of it, in my experience, comes down to differentiating between real and fake fires. Mm, yeah. And, and yeah. to be clear, you know, we're not, we're talking metaphorical fires here. We're not toasting marshmallows yeah, yeah. over an yeah. open flame. No. <laughs> uh, so we've got the classic corporate jargon of fire drill, which are those unplan- unplanned, unexpected, high intensity situations that really interrupt you during your daily routine. And as yeah. I mentioned, there's, there's two categories of fire drills and in internal comms. There's one for real fires and there's one for fake fires. Yeah. And of course, real fires are the circumstances that are challenging to anticipate. So things like a malware attack or an unfortunate employee death or something that we just cannot anticipate. And then we've got mm. those fake fires, of course, too, that really just come from lack of education or proactive planning, which means they're 100% preventable. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's like the old sort of urgent versus important stuff, isn't it? it it's, it's like, um, you, you know, it's like it needs doing now it needs doing today. Well, how much of that is genuinely the case and how much of it is because you've kind of engineered a situation where you've kind of created a, a mini crisis, which really could have been headed off. But, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely been there. I've used to work in organizations where we used to complain all the time about firefighting and then all the people who used to get held, put on a pedestal with a people who were really good firefighters and you kind of think we are kind of self-creating our own, own problems here to a certain extent but never mind but um absolutely yeah. that's where to me it's just an opportunity for education because if the organization as a whole doesn't understand how to proactively partner with internal comms then that's a moment when we can come in and just walk people through our approach to service how to best work with us when to bring us in we would always mm-hmm. love to be brought in sooner rather than later to prevent all of these fire drills that we've called out because Mm. what I can achieve in a day may not be all of these fire drills that are coming at us. So it's just walking people through, you know, if, if I can handle your crisis today, fine. Okay. I'll manage that, but it's not something that I can necessarily sustain. There are Mm. other business priorities that come up that are more important. And Mm. it's just helping the business understand that your priority is not necessarily my number one priority during the day because I serve the entire organization essentially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's a that's a tricky line to tread, isn't it? Between sort of being seen to be kind of aloof and and uh, and 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 remote, but at the same time trying to educate them to say, look, you know, it'll be a lot better for both of us if we didn't have these issues in the in the future, and you know, let me help you and work with you to try and sort of head those off at the past before we uh, we end up in these situations. So, um, yeah, I always try to assume. My, oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, 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 Emily. I always try to assume best intent, though, because of course, absolutely, some, yeah. Someone might be coming in just not knowing how to work proactively with the internal comms team because they've never done it before. Whoever was in that role beforehand never asked them to do it. So just having that conversation, opening that dialogue, can really, really benefit you in the long run on both sides. Most definitely, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's move on to mindset then, which is number four. And you again, you've already given us a little bit of a flavor for this, but 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 maybe maybe a little a little kind of uh, a golden nugget from from within the book around mindset, uh, please, Emily. Yeah. So mindset, as I mentioned earlier in our conversation, is so incredibly important. And for me, a lot of what comes down to a healthy mindset circulates around finding and understanding my why. And I'm sure many of your listeners have have seen the iconic Simon Sinek talk where he talks mm-hmm. about starting with why. And then your career why is your personal statement that describes why you do the work that you do. Mm. And for me, my personal why is to inspire, inform, and engage people through effective internal communication. And then knowing your why 
can be such an incredible tool for success. It's mm. really your motivator. And that's what's going to get you through the times when you're just so frustrated, you want to give up. And we're definitely going to have those moments as teams of one, you are probably the only person who can really get yourself unstuck. Mm. So you have to be your own self-motivator. You have to be your own champion. You have to find your own intrinsic motivation to carry on, to be innovative, to push for progress. And then, of course, to talk about your achievements when things go well. And that, of course, can apply to anyone who is an internal communication team of one. Mm. But at the same time, we have to have our own support network. We need that social, that emotional, informational, practical support. And it may not come from one person. It may not even come from people that we've met in person. When I've been a team of one, podcasts like this and the LinkedIn communities that are out there for internal comms professionals are just such incredibly wonderful spaces to help me feel less alone and to let us all just reassure ourselves that we're facing the same challenges and that we mm. can learn from each other to navigate them. Mm. Mm. Definitely, yeah. And no, I think I think, and I also think what you said there highlights why you know, even if it's not maybe your someone's long-term career aspiration, working in IC or or a field like IC where you you know you do have to operate as you know with minimal resources and really kind of punch above your weight is a really transformational, career-defining opportunity and a, a critical experience that can really you know give you things that you can't get if you're working in you know albeit you might be working in a say an operations team where you've got lots of resources okay that that brings with its own challenges but but actually doing what you're talking about here i think actually is a great um it sets you up for many things in your career not just not just you know i see itself but that whole kind of result as we said earlier resourcefulness but also that ability to um you know build networks and 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 support networks that you need mm -hmm. uh, which aren't always laid on a plate for you are they no and it's as I said before, you know, when I stepped into internal comms as a team of one for the first time, it transformative is a word that I cannot say enough about that experience, because as you were just mm. talking about, it really helps you prove to yourself what you are capable of. Mm. And of course, there's moments where we're all going to fail. I've had some, mm. some made mistakes, I've had failures. But the key thing is, we always know is just to pick yourself up to dust yourself off and say, what did I learn? What can I do differently? Because it is all transformation, even if yeah. you may have blundered a, a time or two, included a typo in a subject line or something, and <laughs> uh, forgot the L in public. We've, you know, all had those those <laughs> moments where mm. we want to want to learn from it and just build that resilience. And again, it goes back to the mindset and just making mm. sure that you're taking care of yourself first and foremost. Because if you're mm. not doing that, then the then the work isn't going to be done, and it isn't going to be done well. No, no. Okay, let's move on to number five, then a measurement. And again, this is a topic that's, that's that's come up not surprisingly many times on the podcast. But and 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 I think you know you link back to it earlier in terms of um, building those relationships and proving value, and and it's not just some sort of soft, fluffy, nice to have. But, but tell us a little bit about something about measurement that you've covered in the book, uh, please, Emily. Yeah. So measurement could be a whole podcast series. I think if anyone went back and listened to all of your guests who have talked about measurement, we, we can all join join the chorus together. But really what I talk about in this section is going beyond the routine metrics. We all should be tracking metrics on open rates, internet article views, and all those day-to-day -day metrics that just prove how, how well we're doing. And we need mm. to be assessing our progress also toward achieving the greater internal comms vision. And that's not something you might be doing on a day-to-day -day basis. You can't check an mm. open rate on your on your vision for the future. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. It's not just this assessment of an internal communication campaign or a specific communication. So we have to you know, think back to our sentiments and perceptions that we uncovered in the internal comms audit initially, and then think about, well, how did we move the needle in all of those areas? And if we're not measuring that progress, as we've talked about, you run the risk of the organization writing internal comms off as this non-value-add function. Mm-hmm. So you need to have something that really proves your worth both for your own benefit and for the organization's future success. Mm. And I talk about that in two, two sets of actions. So one, conducting your own effectiveness audit, and then two, checking in with your own sense of accomplishment. Because that effectiveness audit will talk about and look at how you're measuring your progress towards elements like your service model boundaries, your audience-specific mm. goals, your overarching internal communication goals, the content calendar that you pre- perhaps developed, and that organizational sentiment And then you have to check in with your own sense of self-accomplishment by looking inward and really just thinking about how you personally feel about your progress to date. Do you feel like Mm. you're advancing? Are you seeing that vision becoming closer and closer? Do you feel like you're you're making a difference really? And you can do these measurements as frequently as you like. I typically Mm. like to do them once a year, but I wouldn't recommend doing any any more than once a quarter because then it's like you're measuring all the time and and you're not thinking Mm. about strategy or tactics. You're just thinking Mm. about how can I measure? Mm. No, I really like that. It's a really good way of balancing it out because I think, again, like you said, very much the preoccupation on on the kind of tangible stuff, but actually your own, you know, your own self-appreciation of what you're doing and, and how that's nourishing your own kind of sense of self-worth and value is, is, is important as well. So I think I like that. It's a really, really nice balanced way of doing it. I think you could apply that to other walks of life as well, not not just IC, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a refreshing approach. Yeah. Okay, we're going to go to the last one then, which is looking ahead. So this is number six. So again, you've you've kind of given us a brief overview of that in the in the uh, in, in, and when we went went through these. But but tell us a little bit more about what looking ahead's all about, please, Emily. Absolutely. So, as a solo professional, the question I find myself asking quite often is, well, where do I go from here? And mm. sometimes that question is born out of just feeling overwhelmed in a really good way by all of the opportunity that's available as a team of one. And sometimes it's the flip side where it feels like I'm really trying to ascend an escalator that's going in the opposite direction. (laughs) So as I like to reassure people in similar situations, it is completely reasonable to think to ourselves, should I stay or should I go? Mm. And I talk in this section a lot about the signs that tell you to stay or go. And the signs that tell you that your current role is a great option include, well, first, your value is well-established within the organization. You have this sense of burning passion. And you can also see future progression. Yeah. And then on the flip side, if you're struggling to feel valued, you're burning out and the future is really foggy, it may be time to just move on. You know, mm. we're, we're all going to have those challenging moments, but it's important to differentiate between the challenges that really energize us and the ones mm. that drain you, particularly over an extended period, because we mm. all deserve the opportunity to have our talents recognized and put to the test in positive ways that really help us grow. Mm-hmm. and i think i think I, I absolutely i agree with you and i think there's there also and i wish i'd had this kind of level of m- m- sort of self-awareness and maturity earlier in my career but which we which is obviously obvious never the case but yeah is that is that also to know when you've taken it as far as you can take it and when you, you know you just you've run out of steam and that and that, again i think that's hard for some people to recognize that and that you need a new challenge as well i think we've all probably felt those had those emotions as well and i think you know the way you've articulated it there kind of summarizes that 
that kind of intuitive feeling and gives it a lot more structure i think as to as to whether it is right to to, to kind of stay and uh, and whether you can continue to keep that freshness that you need or whether it is time to maybe look for something different and a new challenge so um yeah it's always interesting to make that decision and if i always say to people you know because i had someone recently ask me you know, I've been struggling for three years at this position to really mm. get them to move beyond this. We've had really good intentions at the beginning of every year, but then we get to the end of the year and we haven't made that progress. And I said, if you're asking yourself if it's time to go, then you know already that it is time to yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. You kind of know the answer. You just, you just, uh, you know, kind of avoiding the, uh, the, 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 the disruption that comes with that. But uh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So. What's next for you then, uh, Emily? And you, you, the book's obviously been, uh, I would imagine for the, the last few months anyway, has been a kind of huge, uh, uh, not, not burden, that's like, totally the wrong word, but it's been a kind of, a, a, you know, a, a thing that's preoccupied your a lot of your focus and attention, I would guess. What's next for you in terms of both your professional development and is, is there another book on the horizon or is that maybe a few years time yet? Well, we'll see. So for me right now, I, I mean, it's a combination of things. If if you haven't gleaned already from our conversation, I am certainly a lifelong learner. So I'm mm. constantly looking for new ideas and innovations that I can bring to my day-to-day activities. And of course, mm. continuously elevate internal comms. So podcasts like this one and all the thought leadership on LinkedIn is some of the most wonderful sources out there for that. Mm. Of course, I'm creating a lot of my own content on LinkedIn and my mm. blog as well. And as I've been doing this, I've really noticed how much of an appetite there is for content around navigating the job search for internal comms roles. Mm. And as I've dug deeper, and I've started looking further at job descriptions and how organizations are structuring these roles, and I've talked to hiring managers about them, I've come to realize how few organizations, particularly in the US, really understand the business function and how to hire for it. So you asked me about a potential next book. And now the idea that I'm toying with is just going deeper into how do we coach organizations to hire for a function that they may not be familiar with. Mm. So do they need just some coaching on how to assess their internal comms needs, how to create a position or a team that addresses those needs, and how to hire the right talent for those teams? Because if you don't know this function and what it's capable of, you don't know what good could or should look like, and you certainly yeah. don't know what great could look like. Yeah. So that's yeah. potentially fodder for the next book. We'll we'll have to see. Yeah, no, and I think that's a re- that sounds really fascinating because I, I think it's not only it's all of those things you said, and it's also you know, not picking up on something that maybe wasn't on your list of, you know, desirable and nice to have and essential skills, but actually being able to see, actually, we hadn't listed that, but actually that quality, you know, it might be resourcefulness or whatever is a really, really good quality to have as an IC person and something that we can really would give us a, you know, gives this person as almost a competitive advantage against other candidates who haven't got that. And I think if you don't know that, you're just going to kind of go through your list and do all your competency assessments and, and, uh, and like you say, not really fully understand what this role entails. Yeah. So that sounds, that sounds like a really good, Better keep that quiet though, because we don't really want stealing that idea. So yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> it will, you know, if the I'm just going to float the idea out there, and if someone can write it better than I can, then I I say the more the merrier. We can, if, we are, if we're all working book. together on yeah, this effort, save, then we 
we yeah. can really make a difference. Absolutely. No, that's that's a very, very, uh, very, very altruistic way of looking at it. I like that. So um, anyway, actually, I've got another kind of, not not another kind of catch, catch you out question. This isn't the, the catch you out sort of show, but is there anything you didn't put in the book? that you kind of uh, that dawned on you when it was too late or you th- you, you or you kind of maybe didn't make the cut that you you know that is worth sharing with our audience are there any kind of things on the cutting room floor or things that you've only kind of learned subsequent to the book being released that you wish you'd put in the book is that something that struck you or oh absolutely there i think there was a cutting room <laughs> floor that i didn't know existed when i i wrapped the the final draft of the book and that was <laughs> just the topic that we started talking about which is just hiring and being hired for internal comms mm. roles and mm. something that I probably should have included in the book and maybe in a next next one or a blog post or something as a piece of advice that I would have loved to have had earlier in my career. And that is just to ask more probing questions in the interview process to better assess where an organization is on its internal comms journey. And I would ask five different things. Uh, first, you know, what value does the organization place on internal communication to why do you think you need this role? Where does this role report into? What challenges are you looking to address with this role? And what does success look like for this role? And if I had asked all of these questions in earlier interview processes, I would have had a much better understanding of the role's nature and the organization's communication landscape. And mm-hmm. as anyone who's taken an internal comms job ever knows, that you're definitely going to under- uncover some additional challenges when you take those roles on. But if you ask more probing questions like these, you'll have the ability to make much more of an informed decision when you're saying yes or no to a hiring mm. decision. I love that. But there's definitely a blog there around that. I, I could see that. You know, five five killer questions to ask the person who's grilling you in, a, in an interview about an internal comms role. I like that. So, yeah, yeah. Well, look, that's been absolutely fantastic, Emily. Uh, I, I love I love stories like this which you which are kind of books driven out written or, or that originate from a a kind of um seeing a gap in the in, in in the in the current spectrum of books and i think you know this is definitely ha- has a high level of relevance to, to anyone who's in the profession and i think also a great book to you know for someone who's a hold hand an old hand at <laughs> internal communications to maybe pass on to uh to someone who's coming into the profession or was starting working for them in terms of you know their expectations as well so really 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 great great uh concept brilliant name as i've already said and and uh, you've definitely got a, an eye for for seeing these opportunities. I think when it comes to book writing, I'm like, I can see you becoming a prolific author at this rate. So. Um, <laughs> What, what we're gonna what we're gonna do is we're gonna put a link into the show notes, which I've already I've already checked this with you. It's an affiliate link for us. It helps us to keep the podcast completely ad free. Helps us to pay for some of the things we need to really do to keep the podcast running. And if you buy Emily's book, if you want to buy Emily's book, if you use the link that I pointed the show notes, which is it's a bit a bit dot ly Emily Hecker. Um, uh, uh, code i'll put that into the show notes there's a barcode a, a qr code you can scan there emily gets a full retail price for a book but we also just get a little bit about the price of a starbucks cup of coffee from amazon but it all every little helps so uh, yeah if you if you are interested in emily's book obviously if you find it on amazon then just buy it but if you want to use the show notes for that that would be fantastic and you're happy if i put your linkedin profile into the show notes emily if people want to reach out to you and contact you directly Oh, absolutely. I love hearing about what's working and what's not in internal comms from other people in the space or just within their organizations and seeing something great or not so great. I'd love to hear hear from other professionals and stay connected. So absolutely feel free to connect with me. 
yeah and i thoroughly recommend connecting with emily because uh, uh, her uh, post she's she writes a lots of uh, very insightful uh posts on linkedin and i like to see your stuff emily so that's great so yeah definitely thoroughly recommend at least following but maybe reaching out and connecting with emily and we're also going to put the link into your your website which is emily dash emily hyphen hecker.com um again where people can uh, find out more about your your work and, and what you do emily yeah that sounds perfect. And I've got a forum on there as well. So if anyone wants to contact me, feel free to do so. Again, I just love hearing from other professionals. You know, As a team of one, especially, it's great to stay connected and just feel a part of something bigger in the internal comms inclusive world. Definitely. Excellent. Well, look, it's been absolutely fantastic speaking to you, Emily. Thank you so much. Best of luck with the book. And uh, you'll be looking for those 90 days when you get your first uh, sales uh, data through. So you'll be able to find out how well it's been doing. I'm sure it will uh, be, be, be doing really well. So good luck with that. Oh, thank you so much, Craig. It's been a pleasure to be here. Fantastic. Thanks, Emily. Take care. Take care, Craig. Goodbye. Bye-bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Engaging Internal Comms podcast. If you've got any ideas for episodes you'd like us to cover in future, you can email us at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk or you can use the feedback form at engagingic.com. If you're not already subscribed to the show via your podcast platform, please do so. And if you could leave a review for us, that would be absolutely fantastic. We have links to other episodes at engagingic.com. All of our previous episodes are available there. And if you're interested in our visual communication services, our big pictures, our learning maps, our explainer videos, and also our live graphic recording, please get in touch with us again at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk. Thank you.